Skull Rock Podcast, your weekly dose of pixie dust. I'm Al John Go, co-host of the Disney List Podcast, as heard on Sorcerer Radio, as well as Skull Rock Podcast, here with my wife, Kristen. Hello. Hello. You are an earmarked agent who books Disney travel vacations for people all the time. Give our listeners a reason why they want to give you a call instead of just booking a trip by themselves. Well, I can do all of the legwork for them. I have expertise. I've been to the Disney parks well over a hundred times. So they've got that knowledge at their hand as well as it saves them time and money. Where can people get in touch with you so that they can book their next Disney cruise, Disney park trip, Adventures by Disney? They can contact me at themeparksandcruises at gmail.com. Podcast talking all things Disney with your hosts L. John Go and Dave Bossert. Happy, happy holidays! And 2020 is about ready to show itself out the door. <laughs> Welcome to another Skull Rock Podcast where every week we talk all things Disney and pop culture with never before heard stories, behind the scenes moments from some of your favorite Disney films theme park attractions, performances, books, movies, and much, much more. I'm your co-host, Al John Go, musician and longtime Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, and pop culture fan. You can email me at aljohn, A-L-J-O-N, at skullrockpodcast.com. And I'm Dave Bossard. I'm an artist, filmmaker, author, and welcome to Skull Rock Plus. That's what I'm going to call it from now on, I like Al it. John. I, like I don't it. want to put Max on the end because I think that's that's going to be the sign of the first casualty. But uh, if you love Disney and pop culture, please subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, as well as like us and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course, LinkedIn. Uh, you can also email me at Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com. Uh, and we always want to uh, get questions uh, and uh, and hear from, from our listeners. Uh, but here we are. This is it. We're, we're five days away from Christmas. I mean, holy mackerel. And we're a stone's throw to putting 2020 in the history books. And I think all of us are going to be glad to see this year go away. Yeah, even though uh, for my... From my business standpoint, this has been an unprecedented year for guitar sales. So, oh, I, so because I, I think it's great. Yeah, because yeah. people are at home, they're making music and recording, even though they don't have a venue to play at. People are finding ways to be creative at home, and um, and I'm loving to see. I love to see the burst of creativity coming from the art community and the music community over Instagram. You see the the Bancroft brothers are doing tutorials and and doing all kinds of great stuff and work on commission. And I know Brian Rude, who's a Disney and Marvel and Star Wars artist, is doing amazing stuff on there, as he always does. And so a lot of people are like, you know what? I haven't played music in a while. I'm going to learn how to play music. Or I haven't painted or drew in a long time, so I'm going to draw or I'm going to write. And I'm going to, you know, and the art that's coming out has been really great. You know, I have to tell you, this really is somewhat of a blessing in disguise. There is a silver lining in the dark cloud of this pandemic in that people have done a, a lot of enormously creative things in their homes. And I think that's uh, that's a great way of, uh, of really sort of um, adapting to what's been going on in our world. I mean, this, this pandemic, is, you know, out here in Los Angeles, we are now the new hotspot in the country. And we're at zero capacity in ICU beds, and it's just uh, it's it's awful out here. It really is. And and Al John, I got some terrible terrible news this morning that a friend of mine up in Maine passed away oh. from COVID nineteen, yeah. and it's just absolutely devastating uh, what's been going on. And I don't think there's anyone in this country who's not been touched by this in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. Um, my friend Hank, 
up in Maine. Uh, I would visit with him every summer when I went up to Maine. He was quite a bit older than me. He was in his 80s. Uh, but, uh, we used to have a great time. We'd, we'd go on road trips, uh, and he'd take me to some of these out of the way places, uh, in, in the area of Maine that I go to up a coastal Maine near Bar Harbor. And, um, just such a sad, sad morning for me because God, I've just had these flood of memories of visiting with him every summer for the past 20 plus years. I am so, so sorry about your loss, Dave. I mean, my condolences and our thoughts and our hearts go out to your friend and family and everyone who's been affected by it. And, yeah. you know, this is, it hasn't been easy. As as some of our listeners know, my wife has a kidney transplant and being a transplant patient, she has a compromised immune system. So we have, we have stayed at home for a, a lion's share of this year, other than myself going out for things. Um, it's been very difficult, especially with the two new kids at the house. You know, it's it's hard. Yeah. You, you know, you don't want to yeah. take the kids out unnecessarily either. Um, my dad's uh, new wife, um, she he recently was remarried uh, last month. We couldn't go to the wedding um, yeah. uh, because of the what's going on. And then his uh, her, her my dad's uh, new wife, his uh, her sister had passed away right before the wedding. Um, due to COVID and it's been, it's been very difficult. So it, it's, it's been a very trying year, but yeah. you know, I, you know, we all hope that things are on the uptick. It looks like uh, everyone is going to be getting some, some uh, relief really soon. So uh, we keep our fingers crossed to make sure those that are in need will, will get what they need quickly. And the rest of us will, will be able to get to some semblance of of ordinary life and returning to ordinary life soon so that all of us can meet at the parks and go to the movies and really start enjoying what it is to be alive. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I have to say I, this past Monday, I, uh, last week I canceled my trip to New York. I was going to fly to New York after Christmas because my mother is turning 90 years old on New Year's day. And, you know, I just don't want to risk it and, uh, finally made the decision not to go. So we're going to just, uh, do a zoom with her on, on New Year's day to help celebrate her birthday and uh, just, you know, I pushed the trip now out to April, hoping that it'll hold there uh, and things will be much better by then. But I got to tell you, you know, my friend Hank, uh, you, you'll find this interesting. He uh, was good friends with E.B. White, okay. uh, the writer, uh, author of uh, Charlotte's Web and uh, Stuart Little and a bunch of other books and essays uh, he used to write for The New Yorker. Uh, and, um, you know, he used to tell me, you know, Hank told me stories, uh, about, you know, giving E.B. White a ride on his motorcycle and all kinds of, uh, hell raising, uh, that they did <laughs> up in, up in Maine. And, uh, and anytime I go up to Maine, I, I always drive by E.B. White's old saltwater farm, uh, and the barn where he, you know, conceived of, uh, Charlotte's, Charlotte's Web and the, the setting for Charlotte's Web and in the book. Uh, but many, many fond memories of Hank and just, uh, so sad to, to see another person taken by this horrible virus. Well, anyway, yeah. on a, on a much brighter note, yes, uh, we got plenty to talk about on our show today. And, um, I, I, you know, where do we start? Where, what do you want to talk about? Well, we've got a lot. I know that we're going to talk about the Mandalorian because the season just wrapped. Uh, we're going to also talk about some of what Walt Disney uh, Company is going to be doing here in the coming year about Bob Iger's future in terms of possibly becoming an international ambassador for this incoming um, government change, this uh, new changeover. And then also uh, talking about how Marvel finished filming WandaVision during the pandemic. And not to mention uh, a little bit uh, news here too, the recent passing of uh, Jeremy Bullock. Uh, yeah, who, uh, another Star, Star Wars, Wars veteran. Yeah, Star Wars veteran. So, and what's new coming to streaming? So, we're going to talk about that here right now. Skull Rock Podcast This Week in Disney and Pop Culture. All right. Well, 
Here we go. Another week in Disney and pop culture news, Dave. We have here first off, I think you sent me this note earlier in the week about the possibility. Well, let's let's talk about Bob Iger. Let's talk about Bob Iger first. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this was, you know, look, you couldn't pick a better person to be an ambassador. I mean, Bob is such an incredibly nice guy. I've had the pleasure of meeting and talking with him numerous times over the years when I was at Disney. Um, I, you know, you can't say uh, enough nice things about Bob. And uh, I think he'd be a terrific ambassador. Uh, not sure, though, uh, if China uh, uh, is the right place, you know, because of of Disney Shanghai, uh, you know, the uh, Disneyland. Right. It says uh, in recent weeks, high dollar donors have become begun quietly do- discussing ambassadorships with the Biden transition team, although they've been t- told the cabinet positions are the current focus. Familiar pe- or people familiar with the discussion said that Bob Iger has been a supporter uh, of Biden. And I think actually he's actually been a supporter, like most business people have been a supporter of every, uh, you know, politician side that's out there because they have to play nice. Right. Um, yeah. They, but they, they play both sides play of both the sides fence and you fence. can't, you can't blame them for that. You no, know? No, no. I mean, it's uh, it's the right thing to do. It is. And, and by the way, American politics, it's all about the money. It always is. It always is. It, it always, always is. is. You follow, follow the money. Um, but they have a long running relationship with China's president, Xi Jinping, and so the Biden plans, uh, you know, are in the mix right now with other people. Uh, could Bob Iger go and be the ambassador to China or the UK or other other places? Uh, he is definitely a w- very well-spoken. Uh, obviously, I have a tremendous respect for Bob Iger as well. Never met the man, but uh, do have a respect for him. And I think it would be interesting to see what happens because he is such a sh- large shareholder, as you said. You know, Bob... Uh, has vested interest in the in what goes on with with China with with uh, what goes on at uh, Shanghai Disney. Absolutely, and I think uh, that is something that they have to seriously look at. You know, does he put his Disney stock in a blind trust? Does you know who knows? I mean, you know, it's uh, it's one of those things where. And by the way, he's under contract right now to be the chairman of the Walt Disney Company until the end of 2021. So, um, you know, if he gets this ambassadorship, I'm sure that the board will be fine with letting him go. Uh, But uh, will it be China? Will it be some other country? Uh, You know, look, it, it, it could be anything at this point because just the way politics are today. It doesn't matter. You could, you could become the ambassador to South Africa and somebody will find something wrong with it. You know, this is true. Uh, just the way, the way of politics, they're always going to f- spin it uh, to their viewpoint. The question I have is, well, not only would it would be a conflict of interest, obviously for Bob, but Bob has actually alluded to or had some interviews. And I know that he's had interviews with a uh, late night talk show hosts like Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy, um, Jimmy Fallon about machinations of becoming president. Have you heard, yeah, have you you heard know, those rumors? I, I, you know, something there, there, there's been on and again, off again, rumors uh, for some time of Bob running for governor of California, of a uh, Senator from New York. I mean, you know, I, I'm I honestly with the state of politics today why why would anyone want to do that right that's all I would say to to that I mean why would you put yourself into that kind of an arena uh Bob's you know wealthy beyond belief he's got a great family a lovely wife uh you know being an ambassador is certainly uh, a, a, an avenue to go, which I think would be really great. But do you get into the mud pit of politics running for a Senate seat or running for president at some point? I, I, you know, honestly, why, why would you do that to yourself? You know what? I, I say that exact same thing. Why would you do that? And you know, it's so funny. Um, here's something new for you. You know, when my mother was still alive, when I was in college, I, I was actually thinking not only was I very interested in music education and broadcast journalism, 
but I was also interested in politics. At one time, I was interested in politics, and my mom goes, oh, son, wouldn't it be great, you know, the doting Filipino mother, you know, wouldn't it be great if you ended up uh, being in politics? And I said, yeah, maybe. And of course, it never happened. I was too into rock and roll to do that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, boy, you, you, you got to have some serious cojones to get into the ring these days. And you got to be thick skinned too. Yeah. I mean, certainly Bob has the thick skin for it. Uh, but again, you know, he, he's, he's got a, an incredible legacy already and why step into an, an arena where that could be tarnished at some point, you know, mm. I hope he gets an ambassadorship. Uh, but I have a feeling it'll, uh, you know, going, you know, if, if he's named ambassador of China, there, there's gotta be a lot of, uh, stuff happening there as far as, you know, liquidating his Disney holdings or whatever. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, another thing that Walt Disney company has announced in recent days is our new set of environmental goals for 2030 focused on five arenas, greenhouse gas emissions, water, waste materials, and sustainable design. And Bob Chapek actually had commented, Disney has shown a strong commitment to environment throughout its history, and we're excited to build on that legacy with new ambitious environmental controls and goals for 2030. And uh, this is a good thing. You know, we, we know that the parks and resorts have always done a very great job of recycling, of, of being good stewards of the earth, uh, working on their carbon footprint and reducing waste at a minimum. So uh, this isn't surprising to me. I mean, look, Al John, you can go back to uh, Walt Disney's vision of Epcot uh, and, you know, the city of the future and all of those kinds of ideas. Uh, the Walt Disney Company has always been on that cutting edge, always on the for forefront. I think they've fallen behind a little bit in, in, in recent decades, you know, when it comes to transportation and things like that. Uh, Walt Disney World is the perfect petri dish for them to do a lot of these initiatives um and i really i don't know how many people are aware of the behind the scenes of walt disney world or any of the resorts um i i mean it's it's almost like they should do ticketed tours of of backstage areas where they have the hydroponic farms and they're growing uh a lot of food and the solar energy uh farms and all of that kind of stuff that they already have going on. But uh, I have to tell you, I think they could do a whole heck of a lot more with transportation. I mean, Walt started doing it with the view liner and the monorail and all of these things uh, uh, early on. And uh, I wish they would push that forward even more. I know they are going to put a train in now from Orlando airport to the, to the Walt Disney world resort. Have you heard that? Yeah, it was the, uh, the super train that they're, they're building. I know that they, we've been, we've been discussing that uh, in the Disney news uh, park community for, for many years, at least over a decade. Mm -hmm. And I know that they are, they are, they are going to actually do it. And, and that's because they found someone to fit the bill for it. Right. Is that right? Yeah, yeah that's right. what it boiled down to is you know, the, the cost. But, I mean, will that do away with the magical buses? I don't think so. But I do know that they are experimenting with getting those uh, natural, um, I guess, electric vehicles and natural gas vehicles out there, uh -huh. like like the trams, you know. So they're trying to yeah. convert things over. But, yes, they, they could do definitely could do better. But I do know that uh, I think it was 2018 or 2019 that Walt Disney World signed another agreement for uh, solar power with uh, with another agency or company. And they are trying to get off the grid and having a lot of those solar panels and things like that uh, be installed at the resorts. Yeah. So, yeah, they they were, and they, were, they, they have so much in the way of rooftop uh, you know, the top of uh, attractions and whatnot, where they can put a lot of these solar panels. Um, they're also looking at uh, serving 100% environmentally responsible seafood at the U.S. parks and resorts. But this is U.S. parks and resorts. Why not worldwide at all the parks and resorts? I don't know if they have uh, contracts uh, that are long-term contracts that would make it prohibitive for them. So that yeah. could be a, a, a reason. But uh, if you've ever done uh, living with the land over at Epcot, 
it's really cool to see how they have those farmed fish and those different things that they yeah. use and how they recycle those waste products in order to generate fertilizers and feed the animals at Animal Kingdom and different things like that. I think that's super cool. And we've taken the behind-the-scenes tour, and, and uh, my wife and I, and we absolutely love it. I think they could do more, and it looks like they are. So yeah, kudos I, I think this is a really ambitious plan. And I, I love the fact that they're, they're looking long-term, you know, they're, they're throwing it out. This is, you know, out 10 years by 2030. So they, they've really got a runway to, to implement a lot of these programs that they're, they're wanting to do. And I, I, I have more power to them. I think a lot of businesses are, are um, starting to go this way. And I think we're also at that inflection point with a lot of this stuff where um, it, it's, it, it, it's not uh, a great uh additional cost if it's a cost at all um to to um implement some of these programs that they're wanting to do i think it's interesting when they sit there and say uh they're working to achieve a zero waste to landfill for disney wholly owned and operated parks and resorts I I have to say, I mean, that is really ambitious because you look at how many millions of visitors go to the parks and resorts annually. Uh, and I, you know, I, I always get a charge out of reading statistics, like how many ketchup packets they use in a day right. or you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they implement. We'll be watching and, and seeing what changes come about, um, you know, I think they're they're doing great, and yes, they can do more, and uh, we look forward to seeing that. Hey, it's a good reason to have that Reedy Creek uh, uh, Development District that they have there because all the people that live on that land, part of the Reedy Creek land for Disney, uh, will be able to implement those things because they're their own self-governing uh, township right. or whatever yeah. you know they call it. So, you know, they're they're making Muni those rules. it's a municipality. Municipality, yes, that's it. Yeah. Yes, thank you for that. <laughs> the term escaped me, Dave, but you, you caught me, so that's good. So how about this? Speaking of, of Disney, uh, how about Marvel on the Marvel side? You know, the, the, the global pandemic has hurt everybody. The entertainment industry hurt specifically hard. But this uh, recent article here on comicbook.tv uh, posted how the stars were able to kind of align themselves with WandaVision and how they were able to complete... Um, this series for WandaVision that's going to be debuting on Disney Plus next month with a wrap without incident. So it says that, uh, let's see here, when the hiatus of the shutdown happened, we had sort of a four-week hiatus, and they laughed. And this was, uh, I think, Paul Bettany who was uh, quoted here. It was a longer pause than any of us could have imagined. Uh, Bettany told the Television Academy they did a brilliant job, Disney and Marvel, keeping us all safe. We had not one single positive test. And Elizabeth Olsen, who plays the Scarlet Witch, says it was really hard to go from complete calm into your own space and home being on set. Then you have all these other things like you're thinking of, like your mask and the shield. But apparently what they would do is everybody wore the PPE on set. And when it was time for them to do their scenes, they would put them in their scenes and immediately would whisk them away into uh, isolation in their, their trailers so that they could limit the amount of, of uh, contact they would have uh, with each other. And there was rigorous testing at every stage of filming. And it is amazing how they're able to do this and apply those best practices to the film and TV sets there at Disney. And that, that I think that's a great thing. Yeah, no, I, I have to tell you though, out here in Los Angeles, there's some controversy about uh, the uh, filming that's going on and the closed restaurants because you on film sets, especially on location, you've got uh, craft services, you know, the, the people that feed the uh, cast and crew, uh, while they're filming. And, you know, uh, there was a video uh, from a, a woman that owns a restaurant in Santa Monica, California, who uh, was showing uh, on her video uh, these craft services, pop-up tents and tables and chairs all set up across the street from her restaurant. And they were serving uh, uh, cast and crew members while they were filming. And she moved her camera back to show her restaurant right across the street, all set up with outdoor dining 
yet she has to be closed. And this is part of this chaotic patchwork of um, rules and orders and edicts uh, uh, from county and cities and, you know, across America that don't seem to make sense. Why would craft services be able to feed people under tents outside while this restaurant is closed? And there's some arguments like, well, you know, the, the cast and crew are being tested more rigorously than the patrons going into restaurants and this and that. Uh, honestly, it, it, it seems real crazy to me. And I think that, you know, the one lesson that we're going to be able to take away from 2020 in this pandemic is the fact that no one was prepared. There was no um, worst case scenario game plan by any of the politicians or municipalities or counties. Uh, uh, this caught everybody with their pants down and they were trying to make it up as they go. And that doesn't work. Uh, you know, you hear, you always hear about, you know, having emergency plans. You know, what do you do in the event of X? You know, and there, there's a plan and those things get reviewed annually. Well, where was that? You know, and what, where are our tax dollars have gone? You know, these bureaucracies are overstuffed with people making way too much money. And now you're sitting there saying, you know, uh, uh, haphazard rules uh, like this is a perfect example of it. Um, you know, I think people are just getting really frustrated and upset by it. Hopefully everybody, now that we know more um, and we will hopefully be prepared with best practices moving forward, that doesn't, it doesn't help what happened then, but what can be done to fix now, uh, especially with these independent businesses, independent business owners, small businesses, what have you, is we need to apply these common sense best practices and, and make sure that these businesses don't fail. And we have to make sure that these people are these people's families. It's affecting everyone and people can't go back to work. People are doing things. Look, we know more now. Let's apply what we've learned and get these people going. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, you know, it's interesting. It seemed like uh, earlier in the pandemic, they got these hospital ships, uh, one to New York and one to Los Angeles and, and they didn't use them, right? Early on, uh, when, when the pandemic was first starting, they really didn't use them. And so they let them go. Now, here in Los Angeles, we're at 0% capacity for ICUs. The hospitals here in Los Angeles are overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I sit there, and they've been talking about this for weeks and weeks and weeks, well, how come nobody has asked for the hospital ship to come back to Los Angeles to to alleviate some of this stuff? So, you know, there there's a bit of a disconnect going on, Al John. And uh, to me, uh, I hope uh, that they're more prepared the next time this happens, because there will be a next time. There you will be. It, and and it's happening now. It's happening now. Yeah. There is yeah. no next time. It's happening right now. So, you know what? Like I said, you know, you gotta you, you gotta be able to to think long term, and everyone just needs to keep that in mind for for what they do in the future, and everybody needs to be really cognizant of how we can control our own our own destinies, in order for us to move forward safely and think about each other, think about yeah. each other and the safety and welfare of our fellow brothers and sisters out there because we're all in this together. And we all are suffering, and I think if we are less selfish and we ask for help when we need it and we offer us help and assistance where, when and where we can, we'll be much better, you know. Um, you know, but of course, it's our tax dollars, hard at work tax dollars that are that are happening now. So let's uh, hopefully uh, people can come to their senses and do what's right for everybody. 
Yeah, and I, I have to say, though, I am glad that they are out there filming. I mean, they are employing people. And right. as we as we heard this past week, uh, Tom, Tom Cruise went off on some of the <laughs> cast members that were not uh, adhering to the, uh, the, the strict rules and best practices that have been set up for Mission Impossible 7, which I'm really looking forward to seeing whenever that's going to get released. You know what? I was a doubter uh, for Mission Impossible until I saw it. And then I was like, okay, I'm a fan. I really dig it. Um, you may not, may or may not like Tom Cruise, but you may or may not like it. You may or may not like the film, but I can tell you I was a doubter and I liked it. And I can hey, tell I, you. I love them. I, I, I loved every one of them. Yeah, I think I think it, they're, it's a great film franchise. And so... Do you, so for for our listeners, I'm not going to play the audio because it's full of expletives, right? So he he went off because someone on his his film crew apparently was not abiding by the time by the type of restrictions and, and rules they set forward in order to maintain a safe shoot. Uh, Mission Impossible was already in a critical state because they had shut down production. Was it once or at least once before? Causing sure. weeks and weeks of delays, trying to get this film going. And I believe Tom Cruise is actually f- uh, funding this under his production company. So he has a lot of stake in this, a lot, a lot of, uh, oh, he- a lot of uh, skin in the game in terms of pr- making sure this film goes out. Sure. I mean, he, he's one of the producers, you right. know, and, and I'll tell you what, when you shut down production for a week or two, you're paying people. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's costing the production a lot of money. So, you know, we don't know the backstory to his outburst that made the news. We don't know if this is these transgressions on the set had happened a number of times leading up to him losing it. Uh, but uh, I have to tell you, I, I don't blame the guy. I mean, he's a producer, he's an actor. You know, I think he in his rant he was saying there's hundreds and hundreds of uh, of people, thousands of people that eventually will be affected, uh, employment wise, um, uh, uh, you know, on this film. You know, when you start talking, you take into account the um, uh, special effects houses that are going to do all the special effects work. Uh, you know, the film crews, the you know, just the whole mechanism behind the scenes of making these films, you know, getting permits and equipment and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, there's a lot at stake. And, uh, and if people aren't following the rules, then they're jeopardizing it for everybody. It's always that situation of one bad apple ruins it for the whole barrel. Amen. Yeah. Th- that's what happens. It happens at workplaces. It happens, you know, I get reports and I have friends and, and different things that are always affected. It's like, oh man, you know, this is going on, that's going on. And and it does affect a lot when people take it upon themselves to do, uh, to do these type of things. It's like, let's just, you know, calm down and just, I, I know people hate it when I say calm down. Right. <laughs> so why don't you just, why don't you just take an inventory and, and do what needs to be done for the sake of everybody. And I don't think he was wrong, you know, in that, because if, if you don't set an example and say, look, this is something we take very seriously and it comes from the top down, everyone else is going to be lax about it. If the if the person at the very top has a lax, lackadaisical uh, response to these type of things, it'll continue to happen and it's not and it will be perceived as no big deal until someone puts their foot down. So. No, I, I listen, I, I, I completely agree with you, Al John. And, uh, boy, uh, I'm just, uh, it, it, it's so, um, it's wearing on everybody, isn't it? Oh, it it's sure just wearing is. On. It sure is. But I can tell you, at least we have Disney plus and other streaming services to count on to give us a little bit of a break from reality. And I know Dave, that uh, I, I sent you a message before we started rolling on this this show. Did you see Mandalorian? And I have to tell our listeners, if you have not seen the the season finale, season two finale of The Mandalorian, you need to hit pause right now, go watch it, and come back because I'm sure we're going to spoil it for you. So here's your spoiler warning in five, four, three, two, one. The ending was 
amazing, was it not? It really was. You know, look, I've really enjoyed The Mandalorian. I think, obviously, um, uh, some episodes are much stronger than some of the others, but overall, having watched both seasons of Mandalorian, to me, there's this sense of it's a Western in outer space. And I really love that. Uh, I love the concept. You can even hear it in the, um, uh, the score. I love uh, the for score. Mandalorian. I mean, it, it, it echoes, uh, you know, fistful of dollars to me, you know, the old Clint, Clint Eastwood, uh, spaghetti Western. Yes. And, and I have, I have to say, I, I mean, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And, and as I watched that episode, uh, and it end when it ended, uh, you know, Nancy, my wife, Nancy said, uh, wow, was that the season finale? And I'm like, no, that can't be the season finale. I go, that, that, there's got to be more. And then I went and looked and I realized uh, season one was only eight episodes and season two is eight episodes. And uh-huh. I just, I was like shaking my fist. I want more. I want John Favreau. I want more. <laughs> well, just so you know, everyone, composer Ludwig Jorgensen, and it's a G.O. R-A-N-S-S-O-N with an umlaut over the O. So Jorgensen, I guess is how you pronounce it, uh, is the composer. And yes, the little whistles in there, the, you know, kind of harkens back to the whole, you know, tumbleweeds and the, you know, fistful of the, you know, just everything you just mentioned about the old West, which I love, but the music was just sublime this episode. My gosh. And I was so stoked about it. People at work, they know I'm a huge Star Wars fan. They know that I've got all the Star Wars gear behind me, that I have a, a Boba Fett helmet here at the house. I'm such a big Star Wars fan. And, you know, every Friday rolls around, and the first thing people do at the office is say, did you see it? Did you see this week's episode? You know, we don't have water cooler talk. We all use Microsoft Teams, so everyone's, like, messaging me <laughs> over Teams, like, did you watch it? Did you watch it? And my friends from outside of the industry know that I'm a Star Wars fan. It's like, did you watch it? And I said, no, I didn't watch it because, A, you know, I only watch it when my wife is ready to watch it, and we are only ready to watch it after we put the kids to bed. So uh, even though the episode airs on Friday morning like at midnight, Thursday, midnight rolls around, here it is, Friday morning, nope, we're already in bed because the kids have wore us out. And then here we go, we watch the show, and I have to tell you, Dave, I, I almost shed a tear. I almost shed a tear. Now, I can tell you the last time I felt this way was when I saw Carrie Fisher at the end of Rogue One. So here, so let me set the stage for you. I'm at the theater with my wife, and we're watching, and all of a sudden you see the end of Rogue One, and my jaw is just on the floor seeing Darth Vader in that hallway just making mincemeat of all those rebel soldiers. And then at the very end, when Carrie Fisher turns around, it, it's revealed, Princess Leia turns around, and you don't think this. She just had passed away, and she turns around. I literally started bawling, like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this, because my heart was broken. Carrie Fisher had passed away. And to see her face, her angelic face, turn around like I seen it, you know, a new hope, I started crying. I couldn't help myself. And, Dave, I almost had that, that, that feeling again. When I saw that X-Wing enter the hangar, this is spoiler territory, gang. When that X-Wing hit the hangar, I said, you have got to be kidding me. And Kristen turns around and says, what are you talking about? And I said, I can't believe they're doing this. Are they going to actually go through it? And then you see the cloaked. We are we are in there with the crew uh, of, of the Mandalorian because they're watching it on the on the the security camera too. We are in the same place. They couldn't believe it. It's like what? Who is this? This hooded figure, just mowing down these these dark troopers with a lightsaber. With a lightsaber. Oh, a lightsaber. Right? But it's That's not. Right. But it's not revealed to us what color lightsaber it is first. They no. So here comes here comes this hooded figure. Like who is this? Is it a Jedi? And you see the little Grogu, the baby, put his hand up, like, telepathically. This is where I am. Come and save us. 
and then put his hand on the monitor. Put his hand on the monitor, yeah, right? Yeah. And you know, in the previous episode, all of a sudden, you know, you know, he basically sets out the satellite dish for the Jedi, calling all Jedi, "I'm here, please help me." And then here he is, and then you see them cut to where this hooded figure is moving, and then you see the gloved hand. And the reveal, it's a green lightsaber. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. And Kristen's like, who is this? I want to know. And I was like, you don't know? You don't know when you're married <laughs> to me and you don't know? And then all of a sudden she's like, oh, it hits her. Oh, it hits her. And then she, then all of a sudden from the smoke clears, the destroyed droids, everything is crushed, just mirroring that, that Rogue One scene with Darth Vader. He... He does the Jedi move like Obi-Wan Kenobi and all the Jedis before him and, and all that. Hello there. There he is. It is the face of Luke Skywalker. Dave, what are your thoughts on that whole reveal? I mean, that was amazing. You know, I I I loved it. And, and quite frankly, because, you know, look, I enjoy all the Star Wars films and everything, but I am not so into it. Uh, uh, that, you know, I was anticipating something. So for me, when he takes his cloak down, the hood on, on his cloak, uh, and it's revealed that it's, okay, spoiler alert, Mark Hamill. <laughs> I'm like, I was blown away. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. And, and I, I couldn't really figure out uh, after I got over the initial shock of it, uh, how they did it? Did they use some uh, de-aging software like they've done, uh, you know, they did on the Scorsese film a year or two ago uh, where they were able to to make Robert De Niro look, you know, the, the whole cast look younger yeah. in those flashback scenes and stuff. Uh, I, I didn't know how, how they had done that uh, initially. Uh, and uh, you know, yeah, why don't why don't you go ahead and and, and tell our audience uh, how they did that, and and, and then I'm going to ask you a pivotal question. Okay, about great, it. great. So we saw it, and so they didn't use the aging technology. You know, the latest iteration of that was with, um, I think uh, it, it was uh, Captain Marvel. So they de-aged um, Coulson, uh, Phil Coulson, and they de-aged Samuel Jackson to make them look like know 20 years younger mm -hmm. but they still were in the same shape you know mark hamill is not but uh they used deep fake technology so they did the face switcheroo which they used in rogue one so mm -hmm. we know that uh, peter cushing sir peter cushing yeah. uh of course had passed away in the 90s so they used another actor and face mapped peter cushing's facial features onto this actor and when they do that, they put the little dots on the face and they do the sure. markers and so that the lips and the cheeks and the eyes, everything moves properly. They did the same thing. So they did the same facial ma facial mapping uh, with this actor. And uh, yeah, there you go. Mark Hamill couldn't play his younger self, according to um, the news from The Wrap. Uh, and they, they reported. So Hamill will always be known as Luke Skywalker, but they did this... Um, this type of technology on the actor Max, was it Max? Uh, I'm trying to find his name in this article, but um, yeah. So they Lloyd Jones, yes, Max Lloyd Jones is did the, the voice. No, did the voice? Uh, did the actual acting? The acting. Uh, Max okay. Lloyd. Vo uh, Max Lloyd Jones, and then the voice actor is Bob Bergen, and Bob Bergen was a voice double for Hamill who's played uh, Luke in many games, Star Wars, Lego Star Wars, as well as the holiday recent holiday special on Disney plus, as well as Star Wars battlefront two. Um, so he's been voicing the young Luke Skywalker for many, many years now. So here's, here's the big question for you, because this is, this is something I'm always curious about. Uh, and and it's going to be a question that'll be coming up in uh, you know future years as the technology continues to evolve and you can start to bring back actors who are no longer with us. Uh, the question is: Was Mark Hamill intimately involved with this? Did he give it his blessing? Did uh, you know? Did he give a thumbs up like yes, they should do this kind of thing? That's what I want to know. 
Yes. Uh, Mark Hamill did know about it. And he gave, a, according to Cinema Blend, uh, he gave the perfect reaction to the season finale saying, um, seen any good movies lately or any good TV <laughs> shows lately on, on Twitter. But apparently they did uh, contact Hamill. Um, he filmed the scene a while ago, but I guess it didn't, um, I guess maybe it didn't turn out the way uh, the way it was supposed to turn out due to de-aging technology or whatever. So they opted to do, um, you know, this type of replacement, digital replacement, yeah. right? Sure, So, sure. yeah, and that's according to Cinema Blend. Um, hey, look, you know, if the actor or the actor's estate is involved with those decisions, uh, that makes me feel good. Right. And, you, you know, know they, I, they, it really does. Well, and, you know, they had approached... Um, uh, Billy Lord, uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter, to not only play her in the last iteration of the the JJ tree, uh, sequels, um, and she was the the actress who had her face digitally replaced by her mom, Carrie Fisher. Right, right, right. And so she had done that in the past, and they got her permission to do that uh, right after her mom passed away uh, for Rogue. Yeah, well, which I think you know that that to me is the right way to go. Um, but you know, I think this is, this is going to be something that will, will, there'll be plenty of conversations about, and there'll be, uh, pros and cons to, uh, as the technology continues to improve and they can start bringing back actors from the past. Yeah. You know, they've done a little bit of that, uh, chicanery already, <laughs> you know, with commercials sure. like Elvis Presley, or they've done, yeah. they've done some other like duets, like. Uh, with with musicians and singers that sure. have passed, but so my question to you, Dave, being a filmmaker yourself, you saw this. Did it take you out of the scene? Because you know that that Mark Hamill's still alive. You know he doesn't look like that now, but you know that's what he looked like back in 1983. So the question is, did it take you out of it? No, it didn't. Not at all. In fact, I smiled when I saw it. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. I thought it was really well done. And, you know, uh, what can I say? I mean, it it didn't jar me at all. Uh, and it was a great ending to season two. I agree 100%. You know, in the back of my mind, and I think a lot of people, they will not admit this. They won't admit this because they know what Mark Hamill looks like now. They know that Peter Cushing had passed away. They know Carrie Fisher had passed away. And they say, oh, it just looks like CG to me. It looks like CG. Hey, did you know that the Mandalorian uses almost 95% models in their renderings for these spaceships? Like, they're hand-built. Like, you can tell they're hand-built because the lines are not straight. Like, you mm -hmm. can pause it. And I've done this. I've done yeah. this. I've looked at it. And so, you know what I did? I went back. After the, uh, you know, my wife had gone to sleep and I was still just totally jazzed. Guess what? I, I went back and saw those scenes again and I freeze framed it. I freeze framed the scene. Why? Because I wanted to see how good it was. I wanted to see how good it was with my, with my own eyes. And so I looked <laughs> at it and it didn't take me out of it. It looks fine. Like when yeah. they de-aged Robert Downey or when they, you know, for, for Iron Man or, or, yeah. or when they looked at um, the Big Lebowski for de-aging him for Tron, you know, I'm looking at Jeff Bridges going, you know, that's pretty good. Even though it was pretty glowy back about 11 years ago, it looked pretty darn good for Tron. You know what? Look, I, I think the technology is improving all the time. Uh, I think they, you know, the fact that they were able to do this for a television show uh, is pretty remarkable. Uh, and, and it was very believable to me. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'm not going to nitpick the heck out of it. You know, um, that's, it was just a, it was a good season, uh, finale for, uh, season two. So yeah, me too. Hamill's involvement really comes as a surprise because the actor previously stated that in star Wars rise of Skywalker would mark his final time playing the character and he previously posted a few emotional messages on social media, which had his fair, bid a farewell to the iconic character. He also further explained that he believed Luke Skywalker's story, uh, his story was finished and that he wanted, didn't want to be greedy by trying to keep the character alive. And while you can really never say never, 
This may be, in fact, the final time we see Mark Hamill play Luke Skywalker, but if this is the case, Hamill can rest easy knowing that it was a moment fans will never forget. And uh, this is true. We will never Never forget. say never in this business. No, nope, we never say never. Say. Well, never say never. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, speaking of Disney+, Plus, there's a bunch of uh, new things streaming on Disney+. Plus. Dave, I don't know if any of this uh, interests you. Uh, uh, well, I'm sure some of it interests you because it is a holiday season, but I can tell you the, well, wife, the wife and I uh, started streaming some Christmas movies over Disney Plus and we watched Noel again, which was just a great home alone. We started watch or we saw uh, we always see the the uh, Santa Claus uh, with Tim Allen. And then yeah. we just saw uh, one of my favorites of all time. And this probably is my my second favorite of all time Christmas movie, Miracle on 34th Street from 20th Century Fox, which is on uh, Disney Plus. But uh, what do you think about some of these holiday classics being? Out there? You know, they're classics for a reason. They're they're great entertainment. Uh, you know, this time of year, who doesn't? You know, there was a big outcry about uh, Charlie Brown Christmas uh, because it was uh, picked up by, I guess, Apple was going to stream it and it wasn't going to be on the network. And there was a lot of outcry about that. I mean, some of these um, holiday shows are so, such classics. You, you got to make them available to everybody. You, you, you know, the, the, no entity can just take it and just say, sorry, you have to subscribe to our platform to see that. I mean, they can do it, but there's going to be a backlash from the public, you know? Charlie Brown Christmas is one of those. Uh, certainly Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, it's a Wonderful Life my with favorite. Jimmy Stewart. That's my yeah, favorite one. I mean, look, you know, there, there, there's so many great uh, holiday movies that have been made over the years. And, uh, you know, it makes you feel good. It's part of the holiday season to watch some of those. It is just one of our traditions as a home, uh, as a household. My wife and I have done it, and now that the kids are here, we definitely want to carry that tradition along, uh, watching these holiday movies and these classics and Miracle on 34th Street, man. It just, it has all the feels, just like Jimmy Stewart does uh, with um, uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Absolutely. And and by the way, uh, we, you know, we're talking about some of these classic movies, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, if we didn't mention, uh, some some uh, anniversaries. That's right. Uh, you know, uh, on December 21st, 1937, Disney's first feature-length animated film, Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, premiered at Cathay Circle, Car excuse me, Carthay Circle Theater, uh, in Los Angeles. And I, and, and by the way, this was a huge, huge premiere. This was the first animated feature length film and they had a blowout premiere for it. You know, in attendance at this, uh, premiere, Charlie Chaplin, Douglas Fairbanks, Judy Garland, Carol Lombard, John Barrymore, Mar Marlena Dietrich, and uh, you had Fred McMurray and, you know, there was just like Hollywood came out. The Klieg lights were going when this uh, when this film premiered. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's just important to mention that um, the and also in 1944, Disney's seventh animated feature film, The Three Caballeros, made its yeah. world premiere in Mexico City, yeah. Mexico City. It didn't release in the U.S. until February of 1945. Wow. But 1944, this week, uh, Three Caballeros, world premiere in Mexico City. So I two, mean, yeah, two uh, of my favorites, really. I mean, yeah. you know, two of my favorites. First of all, let's go to, to Snow White. I mean, wow. And and that really set the course for the Disney that we know today. He won an he won a Oscar award with special, all those little statuettes. A special, a special Oscar, Oscar yeah. with all those little mini statuettes that you can still see. And it's just an amazing film and what a tremendous feat. And to this day, Snow White is still one of my favorite films of all time. And the three caballeros, gosh, you know, I love those, those birds. They are the, the original angry bird, just so fun and nothing like Disney characters that play guitar. That's why Donald is my man. Donald's the man. Yeah. 
So, um, I, I, you know, the other thing I wanted to mention that I think is important, and uh, and I, I have to check and see if this is actually on on uh, Disney Plus right now, but uh, the very first True Life Adventure nature documentary featurette. Seal Island uh, was released uh, in 1948, uh, and it premiered at the Crown Theater in Pasadena, California, uh, and it played for two weeks in front of MGM's The Three Musketeers. Um, And I have to say, you know, uh, filmmakers Al and Elma Malott uh, were the filmmakers that shot all of that footage, uh, and brought it to Disney. And they, they put together that first true life adventure, uh, film. And I, you know, one of the things I want to mention about that is that I helped, um, uh, Roy Disney, Roy E. Disney get, um, the, uh, true life adventure series out on DVD, um, uh, gosh, it's gotta be like 15 years ago or something. Uh, and we, uh, went and shot, uh, introductions for each one of those films with Roy on camera at, uh, Disney's animal kingdom in Florida. And I have so many great memories and so many great stories from those shoots. It's really something else, but, um, you know, this past Wednesday, uh, the 16th of December uh, was uh, an anniversary of Roy's passing away 11 years ago. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think, you know, we talked earlier about um, the environmental vision for the Walt Disney Company. And, you know, Seal Island is a perfect example of, you know, the company uh, embracing uh, nature and showcasing nature and wanting to protect nature. Uh, and you go back to the 1948 and it started the true life, uh, documentaries, which really, I think were the docu, these are nature documentaries that really predate Jacques Cousteau and, uh, you know, the, the uh, Omaha, uh, what was it? Mutual of Omaha's, uh, the nature Kingdom, series, yes. the wild kingdom, right. you know, the, the, this, uh, uh, true life adventure series really set the, uh, set the bar high really did and what that's awesome yeah i tried looking to see if that was on disney plus or not dave it looks like uh, we'll have to challenge our listeners and and ourselves i'll have to look it up on disney plus to see but it, what a great thing to just kind of kick off and i find those disney nature films and and the and the like just so fascinating and chris and i love watching those disney nature films and these true life disney adventure series of 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 classics are definitely ones to check out for sure i love these documentaries they're amazing uh speaking of uh you know celebrating people's lives and times and contributions uh with roy e disney's passing um celebrating his life we also like to send a uh a shout out to jeremy bullock this famed actor known to be the original Boba Fett had passed away uh, over the weekend over the, uh, at the age of 75. He was a busy actor who staked claim in the cinematic history. You know him, you love him from the Empire Strikes Back. However, I think people also need to know that uh, he's had uh, many different roles over the years, including um, uh, playing a... Uh, Oh, what was it? Uh, several several roles, including in uh, James Bond, if I'm not mistaken. Hmm. So uh, definitely check out Jeremy Bullock. Um, I met Jeremy Bullock several years ago um, at Star Wars Weekends, and he is just one amazing gentleman. He was born in Market Harbor, uh, Harborough, uh, Lynchire, I guess, in England, and... Uh, um, He's been a part of the Disney, um, you know, cinematic universe for many, many years. And so uh, there you go. Uh, rest in peace, Jeremy Bullock. Uh, he was also in Doctor Who, um, as well as Crown Court, a bunch of different TV shows, Man About the House, which was the original um, uh, Three's Company, I guess, over in England. Uh, the Professionals, uh, Shakespeare, uh, Shakespearean the theater actor. And then uh, there you go. Law and Order UK, as well as The Doctors. 
So he uh, Bullock appeared in three James Bond films, The Spy Who Loved Me, For Your Eyes Only, and Octopussy back in 83. And he uh, was uh, the last in the last uh, two playing the gadget man of Q's assistant, uh, Smithers. So there yeah. you go. Um, Jeremy Bullock, uh, just one one heck of a guy and very nice guy. And he signed one of my posters uh, for Star Wars Weekends. And uh, uh, I can say that he treated his fans very generously with his time. And uh, the original Mandalorian, Boba Fett, passed away. And he passed away the day before uh, I guess the Thursday before the debut of the season finale. So uh, everyone on social at Lucasfilm and all the actors and actresses uh, paying tribute to Jeremy Bullock. Mm. Oh boy. I'll tell you. Yep. Like you've said so many times, how much more can 2020 take from us? Uh, I, it's I crazy. Know, but, but once again, light at the end of the tunnel, Dave, uh, light at the end it of is. the tunnel. The vaccine is getting out there, which is a good thing. And it can't get out there fast enough as far as I'm concerned. Yep. Um, there's plenty of new stuff you were mentioning for Disney plus lots of premieres uh, as well as uh, what else do we have. No, I think that's basically it. I mean, I think it's important. That's our show. I mean, we've got, you know, the wonderful world of Mickey mouse that, uh, is uh, will be streaming by the time you hear this. Can't wait to check out that original series. And then also a sleeper movie. I, I think it's important to note, Into the Woods. Uh, I enjoyed it. Chris and I enjoyed it, and it was great. You know, Emily Blunt is a favorite of ours. James Corden, Anna Kendrick, who uh, I have a personal crush. She's probably my new Hollywood crush there. If I'm to say that, my wife probably slapped me uh, for saying that. But Anna Kendrick and Johnny Depp as the wolf is in there. Uh, is this I, uh, I, this is a new movie? Is this a sequel? Into the Woods is an adaptation of a uh, of a Broadway play. Yes. Musical, okay. Right. It's that adaptation. It's got Meryl Streep uh, in it as well, and it basically has uh, different, uh, I guess, fantasy characters like Jack and the Beanstalk and, and different mm, things like that. Okay. So yeah, Chris Pine is it as well. So yes, it's a star-studded film. If you haven't seen Into the Woods, I definitely suggest it. It uh, came out. A couple Christmases ago, so now it's 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 ready for you all to check out on streaming for sure. Fantastic, yeah. So definitely check out those. But those are my picks. Yeah, the wonderful world of Mickey Mouse streaming on Disney Plus original series with the new art style for Mickey and Friends, and then Into the Woods in there as well. And not to mention the Mandalorian. So we spoiled it for you if you if you just went ahead and said, okay, well, it, let let me get spoiled. Well, uh, we don't tell. Don't say we didn't warn you because we did. <laughs> Listen, I, I I just have to say to our listeners, it, you know, look, you don't have to be an over the top Star Wars fan. Yes. This is a standalone series. You could sit down and binge watch uh, each season. There, the the episodes are uh, they're only like a half an hour, yeah. aren't they? Mm-hmm. But- Yep. They're, they're roughly a half hour episode. Uh, you can binge watch this and guaranteed you are going to enjoy it. I really highly recommend this. Uh, you know, there's, there's obviously you're, you're, you're getting biased opinions from people who are really, you know, over the top Star Wars fans. But just as pure entertainment I have to tell you, this this is a, it's a great series. Um, if you haven't watched it at all, do take some time over the holidays and binge watch this. I think you'll thoroughly enjoy it. Yeah, I think at it at its heart, Star Wars is about family. It is yeah. about family. The ties that bind. This series mm-hmm. is no different. It's basically the adopted son and the adopted dad. And I have to give a shout out to Pedro Pascal. The very end where Mando takes off his helmet, that's what it's all about. It's yep. money. What are you going to do for your child? Someone rescued him, and he adopted the ways of the Mandalorian, and it became a fiber, uh, part of his fiber. And he did everything he he did to sacrifice for that child. And I think uh, parents and new parents like myself uh, will definitely understand that. So uh, very definitely it, will, it resonates. It, it resonates. Resonate. It does resonate for sure. Oop, I played the wrong <laughs> the wrong thing. What was I supposed to play? I think I was supposed to play this. Your attention, please. <laughs> now loading on track number one for a trip around Walt Disney's Magic Kingdom. Skull Rock Podcast. All aboard. Your main street to the world of Disney. 
Before we go, I wanted to give a shout out to some of our new listener supporters. Don't forget, you can check out anchor.fm forward slash Skull Rock Podcast. Spencer W., welcome to the family. You join Charles and Lindsay, and once again, you can help make this podcast um, and support the podcast. Anchor.fm forward slash Skull Rock Podcast. It is in the show notes, and you can become a part of that uh, great family there. You can also leave us those five-star reviews. Uh, We would appreciate it, whether it's on iTunes or Spotify. Every single bit of your feedback does help, and we'll read your feedback on an upcoming show. Dave, we have some really cool guests coming up before we wrap this year up. We do. We do. Next uh, next week's show, we're going to have a special guest who's uh, not only a friend of mine, he's a colleague, uh, really one of the most talented people, I think, in the animation uh, industry today. Uh, Mike Gabriel, he directed Rescuers Down Under. Uh, he's an animator. He's a production designer, an art director, uh, an incredible artist, a painter. I mean, really, talk about a renaissance man. Okay. We're going to have him on uh, talking about his career, but also uh, just celebrating the uh, 30th anniversary of Rescuers Down Under. Uh, and uh, that's going to be next week. And uh, I am so looking forward to uh, talking with him and having him on the show. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, I just want to wish everybody a happy, healthy, very safe Christmas, which is coming up later this week. Uh, I hope you guys uh, stay hunkered down. Uh, and uh, really be creative about how you celebrate. Uh, Reach out to us on social media. Let us know how you're doing. Uh, We thoroughly enjoy being here and talking with you. And Al John, I want to wish you and Kristen and the kids a very Merry Christmas. Uh, And I'm looking forward to our show next week. Same here, Dave. Merry Christmas to you. Happy holidays to everyone listening. Remember, you're not alone for this holiday season. Please reach out. Let us know how you're doing. And let us know what keeps you entertained during this holiday season. And we do thank you and we do love you so much for letting us into your homes every single week, listening to our talks, uh, our thoughts about Disney and pop culture, and uh, what we look forward to, what we look forward to watching. And let us know what's uh, what you look forward to watching, too, on your streaming platforms and what you look forward to with Disney. So don't forget, make sure to like us and follow us there. You can follow Dave on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, myself as well. And you can also send us those emails, Dave at SkullRockPodcast.com or Aljon at SkullRockPodcast.com. And in the meantime, we wish you and yours a very happy and safe Christmas holiday. And we'll see you next week for our special guest, Mike Gabriel, right here on Skull Rock Podcast. Have a great week. I'm Kristen Hetzel, vacation planner, world traveler, Disney foodie and theme park fan. I'm Al John Go. I'm the husband who's also Disney, Star Wars, and Marvel Comics fan. And together, we host the Disney List Podcast. Every week, you'll hear us list our favorite things about Disney theme parks, films, shows, travel, Marvel, and Star Wars in a top 10 list, rankings, and more. That's an impressive list. Subscribe to the Disney List Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or your favorite podcast platform. You can even stream us on Sorcerer Radio at srsounds.com and check out our live shows on Facebook, the Disney List Podcast. Visit thedisneylist.com.